we weren't viable. We only had 33. And it was very disheartening when they said the viability. The girl I was with, the high school intern, started crying. It was really tough. We were really sad. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Maya Reader. Welcome to our first and special episode of The Ripple, a bi-weekly podcast about the effects of state and national politics on the Evanston and Northwestern community. Over the weekend, dozens of Northwestern students made their way to canvas for candidates before the Iowa caucus on Monday, the first opportunity to vote in the Democratic presidential primaries. The results here set the stage for the primaries in the coming months leading up to the nomination. In the past nine competitive Democratic presidential races, the Iowa Democratic Caucus has correctly predicted the nominee seven out of nine times. Like many others, Adam Downing, the College Democrats' Director of Public Relations, sees this election as a testament to the country's values. I think the nominee field that we have right now in the primary is one of the widest we've ever had, going from the far left with people like Sanders all the way to the more, you know, moderate side with people like Biden and Buttigieg. These are principles and individuals we believe are doing the best thing they can do for the country. We want to make sure that we are advocating for them as much as, you know, we're advocating for the policies and the individual nature of it. In preparation for this past weekend, the college Dems planned trips to Canvas in Iowa. Some of them fell through due to logistical issues or lack of interest, but students were still able to Canvas for Warren through the organization. Other students joined phone and text banks or canvassing shifts for other candidates. For the Warren canvassing shift, college Dems headed to Iowa on Sunday. Yes. Okay. Yes. Who are you with? Elizabeth Warren. I'm both for Oh, I've already got my vote. Okay. Yeah. Hello, are you Jennifer? I am. I'm Maya, and this is Sophia. We're with the Elizabeth Warren campaign. So we're walking around to see if you are planning to caucus for Elizabeth Warren on Monday. Um, I'm planning on caucusing. I don't Good. know yet who I'm going to um, support. Um, we're wondering if you're planning to caucus for Elizabeth Warren. I have no idea what I'm doing. It was kind of a last minute decision. One of my good friends worked for the Warren campaign, like was an intern there over the summer in Iowa. And she got the opportunity to go back and she had some extra spots in her car and she knew that I was a Warren supporter. And she was like, do you want to go to Iowa? And I was like, I guess. So I dropped all my responsibilities (laughs) that I had. This is Medill sophomore Maya Mojica. Instead of going with the college Dems for one day, she went to Iowa from Friday to Tuesday. We definitely did a lot. We did a lot of canvassing. We went rural canvassing, which like a lot of people don't do. And I think that was something that the Warren campaign was really trying to capitalize upon because a lot of campaigns don't make the trek to knock on doors in the middle of farms. But that meant a lot of trudging through the mud. Like all my clothes are very muddy now, like met a lot of farm animals. But for someone like me, who like I've never canvassed before, and I would consider myself probably pretty shy, but I ended up having so much fun, and people were way more receptive, even in rural places. These are people from Elizabeth Warren. Hi. Hello. Hello. Are you going to ride with them? <laughs> no one was outwardly mean to me, which is not really what I was expecting. And then you had some like really awesome conversations where like people would not really know how to caucus or be like, oh, like I'm an independent, I don't know if I'm going, and you like explain it to them how it works, and really trying to make it accessible because. The caucuses like are objectively not accessible if you have to work a service job or if you're elderly or sick or a single mother. I have seven children in this household right now. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That makes absolute sense. But yeah. Well, if you are able to make it, a lot of the campaigns will offer like free childcare.
It was really rewarding to see people when you originally knocked on their door be like, I'm not really super into politics. Like, see them kind of like light up as you describe to them what Elizabeth Warren stands for and fighting for the working person and like that you can actually caucus. There was one door I knocked where the woman didn't speak English and I know a little bit of Spanish. It's not very good. I don't know if she ended up caucusing, but I like tried my hardest and I think I explained to her what a caucus was and how it worked in Spanish. She was really grateful and it was very rewarding. And for the Democratic primary, where the candidates were close in the polls leading up to the caucus, every vote mattered. There were still many undecided voters, and each campaign was trying to sway voters to join their team. That leads us to Monday at 7 p.m. local time, when Iowa residents went to 1,681 precincts across the state. Isabel Seraf was at one of these precincts. Usually their caucuses are held in somewhere like a gym or a church or a building where a lot of people can congregate. And so what you do is you show up. You could even register to caucus the day of and you can walk into your caucus area. There are signs posted around the area of every single one of the 11 Democratic candidates. There's also a section for undecided voters. So if you come into the caucus and you still are choosing between a couple of the candidates or you're simply uneducated about the caucus, you don't, you basically just sit in the undecided section. So we're all decked out in our warring gear. We had little Statue of Liberty hats on and we're like catching people at the door. And if they were in support of Warren, we give them a sticker and a wristband and tell them where to go. I had never witnessed a caucus. It was really crazy to see. It didn't feel like something that was like government or like official. It was just very much like a lot of people in a room. The observers had a section in the back where we weren't supposed to be counted. And we as observers are allowed to go talk to people and like try to convince them. Basically, it felt like a game of Survivor, like that TV show where you like try to swing people over to your side so what happens is in the first round what you do is you kind of just sit in the corner of where your candidate is there's a 20 minute time frame where this happens because if you sit in the corner of your candidate before the end of the first round you're not 100 percent committed to them the second you sit down you could switch to a different candidate or if you're undecided what happens is that there are precinct captains for every single campaign or there should be at least for the ones that are very organized and do a lot of organizing on the ground in iowa precinct captains from each campaign could go to the undecided section and persuade them to join their their candidate so now we are going to uh, allow candidates to have one minute so some a spokesperson for each candidate that has representatives here thanks um, just real quick, I think that Joe has the most uh, electability against Donald Trump. I think that that's. What I'm here to represent Amy Klobuchar. Uh, Amy's from Minnesota, and uh, she was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 2006, becoming Minnesota's first female senator. Um, um, what has appealed to me about Pete is primarily, I want to first emphasize, I didn't know who the guy was. I just thought, who is that? And. Once I studied him, I knew there were some things that definitely resonated with me. So after the end of the 20 minutes, the number of people sitting in the corner of each candidate is counted. And what you need to have to be what is called viable for the next round is to have at least 15% of caucus goers in your caucus. Okay. So the first alignment is important because we want to make sure that you are supporting the candidate that you really want to support. This is one of the caucus organizers. After explaining the rules for the first round, she ended with this. Are there any questions about that? I feel like the more I talk about it, the more confusing it sounds. 
we weren't looking too good. We did have like an older district, so the median age was quite old. There was like 200 something people there altogether, and there was 118 people for Pete. And so like Pete was obviously viable. Biden was viable by one, so you needed 42. He had 43, and then Amy Klobuchar was viable by 43, and we weren't viable. We only had 33, and then you get to do second realignment. When you caucus for a person in the first round and they are viable, it was a new rule that was imposed this year that you are locked in for that candidate. But if your candidate was not viable or you are still undecided, then you could go to any of the other candidates in the room. At that point, they like release you. So we're like running around. We beeline to the Yang people and we were like talking. And then we went and talked to Steyer about climate change policies because Elizabeth Warren's policies come the closest to Steyer's. So we're like, okay, we got them. And then like the big hurdle was the Bernie people because we were like right next to each other and Bernie people are sometimes notoriously like stubborn in their love for Bernie. I was like, I don't know if we're going to get them to come over to us, but like we're not going to be viable without them. And we just had one-on-one conversations with everybody and we were like, listen, we're all in this together. Like we both want a progressive candidate. And miraculously, like as soon as a few people started coming over, more and more people were like, oh, my candidate's not viable. When we finished, I was like, wow, we like did that. We would have had no delegates before. And now I think we have two from that. For Isabel, The distribution of these delegates wasn't as straightforward. After the end of the second round, you take the number of people sitting in the corner of the candidate times the number of delegates allowed for this precinct equals a number. Everybody should have a card here, okay? So we'll do it just like before. I'll pick up your cards and count as I do it. One, two, three, four, You divide that number by the number of people total in the precinct at that moment, and then you get a number for the delegates. And that number usually is not an even number. At my precinct, Biden had 2.447. Bernie Sanders with 31 times 12 equals 372 divided by 152 equals 2.447. And some of you might have been doing it along with us. The Biden and the Sanders have the exact same percentage. So what we do here, it's in the rules, is we need someone from the Biden group and someone from the Sanders group, and we are going to flip a coin to see which one gets three and which one gets two. Yes? Are you with me? All right, so if there's someone that feels real lucky from one of those two groups that would like to step up. There's an 18-year-old girl that stood up and said, I'm going to be the representative for Sanders. And there was an older man in the Biden section that was representative for Biden. They, they basically decided that Bernie would have heads, Biden would have tails, flipped a coin. Biden has two delegates, Bernie has three delegates. At the end of the night, America waited, anticipating the results of the caucus. But a few hours in, the Iowa Democratic Party said that there were inconsistencies in the results due to issues with the new app the party was using. They decided to delay announcing the results. But regardless of what comes out of Iowa, primaries will continue to steer the course of the Democratic Party throughout the next few months. College Dems are planning on engaging in political discussions across campus, making sure every student votes, 
especially students from contentious states. We're hoping to do a lot of different things, not only to inform people about the candidates, not only to inform people about the electoral process, but also just to make sure that any kind of political discussion that needs to be had on this campus is being had in a really constructive and useful way. We want to make sure that every single one of these events is open. So whether you know you bleed blue and you want to go in and you want to really engage in a strong democratic debate, or if you know you come from maybe a different part of the political spectrum, either to the left or to the right of college Democrats, we want you to come in and be able to have a space where you can not only flush out your ideas and be around other students who are politically interested, but also have a safe space to kind of engage in politics here on campus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Thursday with our regularly scheduled episode of Ripple. This episode was reported by me, Maya Reader, Claire Proctor, Dan Hu, and Isabel Sarah. It was produced by myself and Cal Luciano. It was edited by Cal Luciano and Hina Srivastava. The editor-in-chief of the Daily Northwestern is Troy Clausen.